I can afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, your comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me in the uh, producer's chair, as always, is Mr. Kyle Dotson. Hey. How you doing, Kyle? Good, how are you? Good, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. I am so excited for today's show, because uh, as, as you know, I've talked before, I write reviews for the website uh, www.popculturebeast, and oftentimes uh, I will do book reviews. And uh, a press release for a book uh, came my way for a book called 108 Rockstar Guitars. And uh, this book came in the mail. And as soon as I opened it up, I don't play guitar. I'm just a fan of music. But as soon as I opened it up, I was like, it took my breath away. The, the pictures and just the entire book, it's such a classy uh, thing. I can't even explain it. You have to see it. To believe it, it's uh, it's full of uh, exactly what you think uh, 108 Rockstars guitars, and so immediately I said, okay, I got to find out how to get the the person who took these pictures and wrote the text. Uh, her name is Lisa S. Johnson. So uh, Lisa S. Johnson is today's guest. Hello, Lisa. How are you doing? Hi, Pat. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm so glad that you could come here today. Do you live in Los Angeles? I live in Malibu and in Las Vegas. I go back and forth between the two. So luckily for us, you just happen to be in Los Angeles this weekend. That's right. Because where did you go last night? Tell everyone where you were last night. I was at the Forum getting it down with Fleetwood Mac. And uh, amazing show. Unbelievable. I saw them in 97 uh, when they had the reunion tour with all five original members. And then after that, Christine wanted to retire. So then I saw them twice without Christine. Still great, but um, that third voice and, that, and those songs that she sings that they hadn't been doing are gigantic hits. So to have the three, the three trade-off, it, it's, it's bad. I mean, it, the four is a nine, and with Christine, it's ten and a half. Eleven. <laughs> yeah, eleven. <laughs> uh, great show. I was listening to rumors on the way over. You know, you always got to turn up the band <laughs> albums on the way to the show. Exactly. And uh, so many incredible Christine songs. Mm-hmm. I was just, and this is my first time seeing Fleetwood Mac live. Oh wow! Believe it. And so I was really excited, and I just thought, I am so glad Christine's there tonight, listening to these songs, and she, her voice. <clears throat> is just still amazing. And maybe it's from years of maybe preserving her yeah. voice and not being on the road. Yep. Her voice is just like you heard it back in, in the she's, 70s. She's, she's in her 70s. It's crazy. I know it's these bands like uh, F- Fleetwood Mac and we were talking about ACDC and, and, and Heart we were talking about earlier. I, I don't... They're so good now. I don't... How could they have been better... In the in the seventies than they are right now. They are so vital and so good. ACDC, I was blown away when I saw them in the last tour. I was like, how could they be? How could they have been better than this in nineteen eighty? They're amazing right now. I know they're just unbelievable. And I started with ACDC with mm-hmm. Brian Johnson. I missed the whole Bon Scott part. Yeah, I, I was twelve when I saw ACDC in uh-huh. concert the first time, and they were my second concert I ever saw. Oh, that's awesome! And I was just blown away. I mean, I mean, the Back in Black album. Yes. already we just loved it. We used to go home at lunchtime and you know burn and listen to <laughs> Bells. I mean, what <laughs> band loses a lead singer? And 
and doesn't miss a beat. Comes out with the their greatest selling all time yeah. record. And yeah. and their and their and their fan base accepts it wholeheartedly. Yeah, and I mean just Angus and and Brian and, and Malcolm, you know. Yeah. But, but just bless him. I'm I'm so sad for that recent news about him and you know they're going to go out and tour I think next year. Yes, they are. The and, album comes uh, out. Well, we're recording this the the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The album comes out. The new album comes out Tuesday. Oh wow. December 2nd. Oh cool. Rock or Bust yeah. is what it's called. Right on. So uh uh, it's so funny. I, I, and I think that Malcolm's, their, their nephew is on that album. I don't think that Malcolm recorded Malcolm that didn't album. record yeah. anything. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if he co-wrote stuff because, you know, they, it's been about seven years since the last album. So maybe songs might have been co-written with Malcolm, but I guess we'll have to wait and see the, yeah. the liner notes. But, um, yeah, still. Yeah, and I saw them at the forum, too. Yeah, we, we were at the same show when the people had all the, the, the devil yeah. horns that were lit up. Uh-huh. It's great. Yeah, I was front row. And the bodyguard. I was not. <laughs> one, of the, one of the guards was, was looking at me like, yeah, you're a girl. You know, you, you don't know about ACDC. <laughs> and then the song, I knew the words to sure. all the songs. And I, I just was rocking out so hard. And halfway through the show, the guy's like, yeah, you know, you know ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who did you go to that show with? Uh, with my boyfriend. With your boyfriend? Is yeah. he now your husband? No. Oh, I'm sorry. He's still the boyfriend. We'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a ring on your finger, so yeah. maybe I, th- I thought maybe yeah. you were married. No, this is this is, was the tenure ring. Okay. T-E-N-U-R-E. The tenure <laughs> ten-year ring. Tenure ring. I got at the tenure mark. Same guy, though. Same guy. How long have you been together? Uh, 16 years ah, in married. September. You yeah. can say yeah. you can you can say you're not, but you are. Uh well, look, let's get into this book. This is, okay. first of all, the first question for me is, how long have you been a photographer? Because the pictures are amazing. Well, I started, I went to college for photography in 1984, 85 timeframe. Okay. And then I worked for a very cool underground photo lab in Melbourne, Florida. There wasn't even a sign mm-hmm. on the door because all the work that we did was for Grumman Aerospace uh, General Electric, all uh-huh. these all these aerospace companies, and I had to have a secret clearance to wow. work f- for this lab because of all of the data, the filming, and things that were going on. It was when Joint Stars was happening. And, and what were you what were you photographing at this uh, place? I wasn't shooting actually at that time. Uh-huh. We were f- processing their film oh, okay. and chemistry and stuff like that. Uh, and then I got to know my Kodak rep because we used so much product that we had a regular rep that came by, mm-hmm. and I wanted to to grow and expand. And I asked her. If there were any opportunities at Kodak and within a year I found myself working for Eastman Kodak in Rochester, New York. Okay. See young people. This is what you have to do. You have to, if there's something you want to do, you have to ask people about it. That is correct. Don't be afraid to ask because all they can tell you is no. And that is exactly with this book. You know, Mm. I I had to ask lots of times over and over with, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, the music industry is tough. You call up and everybody was calling up wanting something. Right. Exactly. And And the book industry is not, a piece of cake either. Book industry is tough. So, you know, that's why this book took 17 years to put together. And working for Kodak, I ended up really learning photography, mm-hmm. working for the company. I went to college for photography. When you're really in it, and yeah. you're, I became a photographer's rep, so I ha- called on photographers. Uh-huh. So I got to see inside of hundreds of studios and every type of photography, portrait, wedding, commercial photography, product photography, fashion photography, re- architectural photography. Mm-hmm. So you really get a really broad gambit of what you have to do to be in the photography business yeah. and image making. and. 
of course, when you work for Kodak, all of us are photographers and we <laughs> right. have access to be. free film. Uh-huh. So you're always shooting and testing the film so that you can speak intelligently about your product to photographers. Right. And I ended up, Kodak transferred me to several different places and one of them was Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I loved, you know, I love blues and I love country music. I grew up on that. My parents are, my mom's a singer and my dad plays guitar and multiple instruments. Mm-hmm. And uh, he always told me growing up, I was never allowed to date musicians. <laughs> and uh, and so, is your boyfriend a musician? No, the, the 16-year one's not. Okay. Uh, at, the, at the time, though, I started going to the Unity Church in Memphis, mm-hmm. and there was the guitar player at church, and he asked me out. So uh, he also owned a vintage guitar store, though. And so I called up Dad, and I'm like, Dad, I'm dating a musician. However, he is the guitar player at church, and he owns a vintage guitar store. Well, that perked up my dad's ears. He's like, vintage guitar store? Oh, well, if he ever gets in a Gibson mandolin, I've always wanted one. And did that happen? And that happened. Fantastic. Within a couple of weeks, he gets in this mandolin, and I said, I want to get that for my dad. How much? He's like, you can't afford it, but if you photograph some guitars for me that I have to sell that uh-huh. I don't want to sell, I'll trade you. So I I'm like, that. done. So i testing films all the time. I'm like get out those films and I was shooting uh, black and white T-Max P3200 at the time and I photographed these guitars for him in black and white and then I hand colored them and made him a piece. I was influenced by Andy Warhol. Yeah. You know, each one was the same image. I just colored it differently Yes, and uh, I just fell in love with the guitar images more than any other thing I'd ever photographed before. I just... And it's probably because I grew up in music that it just resonated with me. The smell of those instruments and the, the look and the shapes and the curves and how sexy and beautiful they mm-hmm. looked in the images. That Then Kodak transferred me to New York and I thought, I may as well try to photograph famous guitars. I'm in New York. Why not? That's- so on, on my time off or whatever at night, I would, uh, I would pursue that. And I thought, I may as well go photograph Les Paul's guitar. Let me see if I can get a hold of him. Now, at this time, this was just like, you, you probably, you didn't have a book in mind at that t- time. You uh, just wanted to... I did, to, actually. Oh, you did. I had decided, I'm in New York. Everyone famous comes through New York. Absolutely. If I can get access, I'm going to do a book yeah. on this. this is what, I'm not going to tell anyone, though. I'm just going to quietly photograph guitars and put something together. So it was always in the back of my head. And when I would put requests in, I would say that the images would be used for magazines mm-hmm. and a book publication. So that was so from they the knew. early days. Yes. So there's no, mm-hmm. there's no secret. No. And um, see, this is see my my oldest daughter. She's 14, and she wants to be a photographer. Okay. So uh, don't be surprised if I don't try to get in touch with you. Sure, years. she can come out. You guys come out to my house, and I can show you my studio. She would go insane for that yeah so let me talk about this book a little more i asked you uh i asked you earlier and you told me but you're going to tell everyone now uh 108 now i would think i was wondering that myself like why 108 wouldn't it be 100 or wouldn't it be 125 150 but 108 why 108 well everyone does the 100 greatest or the 101 greatest and so there's no mystery to that uh, they even do 101 sometimes, 101 sure. greatest. I, and I hadn't even thought about that aspect of it mm. yet. It was that I knew I wanted the title to include rock star mm. guitar so that people would know, okay, this is a book about specifically rocks, rock guitars. Right. And then I'm a yogi. I've been practicing yogi and, and yoga teacher for the last 13 years. And I happen to be in India. Mm-hmm. And my yoga teacher, you know, they have Indian astrologers are all over in India, and it's Vedic astrology. And my yoga teacher had his Vedic astrologer over, and I had a reading with him. And in the reading, I had asked, I need to name my book. And it came up. Mm-hmm. He said, you're a yogi, 
And the number 108 is a significant number in yoga philosophy. Why not 108 rock star guitars? And it just instantly. It just like, clicked yeah, because everything you love is all encompassed in, in the title, in, in, the, in the pages, in everything. Yeah. And the number 108 in yoga philosophy is a very, you know, there's a Wikipedia on the, you just go 108, Google it, uh-huh. and a whole page of stuff comes up. It's a very mysterious number. And the original reason why they, uh, they, 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 they it is a cosmic number is because back in those days, they, they had astrologists. Mm-hmm. Astronomers, rather. Astronomers. And the astronomers determined that there are approximately 108 circumferences of the sun to the earth. There are approximately, it's approximate, 108 moon circumferences from the moon to the earth. And there are approximately 108 circumferences of the earth around the sun. So that 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 in and of itself, yeah. they were like the sun, the moon, the earth. This is really cosmic. And you know those malas you always see the yogis wearing the yes, little yes, beads. Yes. Well, that's their prayer bead, and there's always 108 beads on those malas, and that is the inspiration for the Christian rosary. I can't when wait the to Christian look this crusaders up. went to uh, India back in the day, and they saw them with these prayer beads, and then they went back to Europe and uh-huh. created the rosary. So you do your 10 Hail Marys and you're, it's all marked on the, on the rosary. So you're a, you're, you sound like a very spiritual person. Yeah. Are you I a hippie? Would. Are you also a hippie chick? Yeah, I've been a called bit that. Of, a little bit of a hippie chick. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, now let me tell you something. People. When, when I say that there's 108 rock star guitars in this book, it's, uh, let me tell you these names. This just is, this just isn't, you know, you know, it's not the guitarist from trickster. These are these are rock star guitars. Where's the page? Let me just go through some of these. We've got uh, we've got Ann Wilson. We've got Ben Harper, Billy Gibbons. Uh, I'm naming the ones. Uh, I'm naming the people that I'm not playing songs of because I'm going to play uh, some guitar solos today. Brian Setzer, Bruce Springsteen, Carlos Santana, Chrissy Hine, Dave Mason, Dave Mustaine. Uh, let me see. Don Felder, Eric Clapton, Glenn Tipton. Uh, James Young and uh, Tommy Shaw from Styx, uh, John Bonamassa, Joe Satriani. I mean, this is this is crazy. This is like when I looked at this, I was trying to figure out who wasn't in here. Oh well, there's lots missing. There's lots missing. The only one, that, the only one that initially uh, when I looked that I didn't see, and he's not my personal favorite guitarist, but whenever I think of a rock guitarist, I think Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. So what's up with Eddie Van Halen? Oh, right. Well, Eddie, uh, I've asked a couple of times, um, three times, Mm -hmm. and all three times they came back negative. (laughs) And that's funny to me because if I was a rock star guitarist, I would want to be in the pages here with with Steve Howe and Ronnie Wood and Roger Waters. And Jimmy Page. And Jimmy Page. I I mean. We sent we sent Eddie a book, uh, the hardcover edition, about six months ago. Because uh-huh. I thought, okay, well, now that the the hardcover is out for the first volume, yeah. maybe we can, you know, he'll see the quality of yeah. the work and and he'll agree to go into the second volume, which I'm working on now. And uh, they came back and said, you know, he lives right happen. up the hill from here. He I lives know. like right like a mile from. After this podcast, let's get in your car. We drive let's up to his go. house. We, we knock on, on the door. door. We go get out here, bring that guitar out here, and let's do this. I, I kind of when I didn't see him in here, I kind of thought, 
I mean, he didn't. He doesn't. He speaking said no. of ACDC, I, I've asked for Angus probably mm-hmm. more times than anyone, and no, they don't return phone calls, emails. Wonder nothing. why that is. I met Cliff Smith at Nam, and I'm like, Cliff, dude, like I've been trying to get through. And now, Cliff I'm, Smith is the original bass player, bass player. Right? yeah. And uh, I said, I've been trying to get through. I go, you know, there's only one guy, Alvin Handworker. Yeah. And I said, is there anyone else? And he goes, no, you got to go through Alvin you go through, oh, <laughs> So, you know, it's just perseverance. Yeah. And after a while, you know, if they, if they really are not into it, then I honor and respect that. Yeah, I mean, you can't make someone do it, but you would think you're, you have the most amazing calling card here with this book. If you couldn't get someone before, I would assume once you have this book... I'm they would say, oh, after, I want to yeah. be in something like that. Yeah, Joan Jett is, an, is a no. Uh, Mark Knopfler, I, I didn't hear back from. <sighs> Pete Knopfler. Townsend, I didn't hear back from. Uh, so, you know. Now, again, she just named like a bunch of the people and we're, we're saying like, oh. But, I mean, Nils Lofgren's in here and Phil Collin and, and, and Reeves Gabriels and, and Richie Kotzen and Rick Derringer. This book is and Zach Wild. This book is full. Robbie Krieger's. In there. Now you do have Willie Nelson in here, and, and yeah, and he's, I put Willie in just even cause, though because he's his lifestyle is rock and roll. Yeah, so he's maybe a country he, dude. However, yeah. you know he hangs with the rockers. Yeah, and I had to put him in. You know the reason too is because I have some friends that are in photography and they yeah. publish books and they thought they would publish more books than what they did. Yeah. They have that one image that they never mm-hmm. put in the book. And, and so I thought, no, I can't not put Willie in this book. Uh, his guitar is too iconic trigger. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash signed that guitar and yeah. everybody, you know, well, let's, uh, let's, uh, we, we haven't played any music yet. So let's yet. So let's jump in here. I'm going to play, this is Jeff Beck. And in this, in this book, there's this beautiful white guitar. It's a Fender. Stratocaster that Jeff Beck plays and uh, let's hear some Jeff Beck this is actually a solo he did uh, from a Mick Jagger solo album uh, called She's the Boss this song is called Lonely at the Top and let's hear a little bit of Jeff Beck play some guitar So um, now, did you get to meet? Um, did you get to meet any of the artists, or did you just meet the guitars? I met a lot of the artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably met, I'd say, fifty percent. Oh, of that's the, great! Of the artists that's really great. Book. Yeah, uh, you've got the page open to Jack White. I did yeah. not get to meet Jack. However, it's an interesting story because when I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I worked for Eastman Kodak in Memphis, and Nashville was part of my territory, and I used to go over there every month to call on photographers yeah. and there was this one studio that had multiple studios in it and so photographers would go there and they'd rent space and they'd do their shoots and that building today is Jack White's third man records wow so when I went to Nashville to photograph his guitar I didn't even realize it when I pulled up a third man records that that was that old studio and he retrofitted it just beautifully for his offices. And he kept one of the studios that had a psych wall on it and mm-hmm. a stage. And so he does private uh, little concerts, promotional things in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you walk in the studio, it's so cool. They have a little shop when you come in. And it's got all his merch nice. for all, all his different 
uh, bands, and uh, they were very cordial. They uh, even, in fact, have full-on lighting and camera gear and oh my everything. God. And they're like, you can use anything you want here. And I have my own rig, so I didn't need to use any. Don't of you wish it was like that every time? I do. And also, I want to tell uh, I want to tell people when you open a page of this book, you just don't see a guitar sitting in a guitar stand in front of a, like a curtain backdrop. That's not what this book is. There's like close-up pictures of the headstock and I, I don't know anything about photography but there's different angles and, and, and you see the textures of the guitar and you can see, you know, we were, we were talking off off mic how, uh, how the guitar from stage looks looks gorgeous but then up close you can see all the cracks in the headstock and the wood and the wear and tear but these pictures are just gorgeous so I don't want you to, I don't want you to think that this book I'm talking about is just like a guitar on one page and a guitar on another page. It's not like that. It's it's really intricate, really detailed photos of of of, um, of every part of these guitars. It's really amazing. You've described it well because the whole intent was to show the wear and tear yeah. details of the guitar that personify the artist without the artist having to be in the image, and to allow the guitar itself to to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do get you do get a sense from looking at the, the pickups and the knobs, and you you get a sense of oh, I kind of think I know Jack White a little bit just from looking at these pictures. Well, sure, you can see the way that they play the guitar by what's left behind on it after years of playing. Exactly, exactly. Where the where the most wear is, where they're holding on to it, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So let's hear. This is a song called Black Math uh, from the album Elephant, and this is Jack White. You can talk over it. You can talk over it. Yeah, this song here, I'm pretty sure that's the airline guitar. This is the guitar. guitar. It's in the book. It's in the yeah. book. Excellent. So great. And you can hear him. Such a unique player. Yes. On a hundred dollar guitar. I know. Thanks, Kyle. That's good. Uh, the next page I have uh, I have marked in the book is uh, is Ace Freely, and uh, you know sometimes uh, Lisa Ace Freely will stop by the uh, the uh, the studio. So uh, oh, I need right I, I need to ask Ace a quick question. Ace, um, do you? Uh, I, I know that you're in this book. Would you mind if we uh, if we play uh, a solo by Ace Freely? Sure, baby. Okay, well, thanks, Ace. We appreciate that. <laughs> but uh, no, this this picture, this uh, that's just a silly thing we do, Lisa. Um, this is uh, this is a Gibson. I don't know what kind of guitar? Yeah, it's a this modified is. Gibson Les, Les Paul. Paul. And this one, he is called the light guitar, the UFO light guitar, because along the perimeter of the entire body are those little halogen lights, and when he plays it. Uh, it, all the lights blink. So this is so. a custom. This is a custom uh, all guitar. Of, all of Ace's guitars yeah. are custom tricked out guitars. This one here, this the smoker guitar. Oh yeah, this is. And that's the- where this this particular image, uh, it's the back of the guitar, and you can see the chamber in which he the, rigs the smoke. The smoke device. to come out. Yeah. So cool. This so theatrical. Department. So cool. Mm-hmm. And so let's hear a little bit. This is from Ace Frehley's 1978 self-titled solo album. Here's a little solo from "Speeding Back to My Baby." Oh, 
Um, so was there, um, was there anyone that you were a little starstruck when you got to meet them? Well, you got to be professional, so you can't really go in there. I'm not really that kind of a starstruck okay. person. For me, it's like, you know, we all get out of bed the same way. Right. We all brush our teeth, you know. Uh, I'm always, it's always an honor because the, <clears throat> the music has meant so much to me. Yeah. And it still does. Uh, that I'm like, it's such an honor to meet you, man. Like, that's how I feel inside. Yeah. Um, I, I just can't. I mean, maybe if Jimmy Page had shown up, I might have been a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I worked with his guitar tech, Lionel Ward. Um, I can't say that I felt like super nervous or, or starstruck. Right. I'm well, because you, you have to go in there as a professional I'm too, so you can't be. A, 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 I got to get this job done. Right. I got to get the shot, and I'm more nervous about getting that done mm-hmm. and uh, the elements. And I only have so much time, so I really have to think fast and utilize what I have yeah. around me. That brings me to a good question. Was there anyone that said, look, you get, you have 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that happened to Chrissy Hind. Oh really? Years ago. Uh, when I fought, photographed her guitar at, uh, the China club in New York city, it's okay. not even there anymore. And I had photographed Julian Lennon's guitar the night mm. before. And the, the guy that was running the, the club said, you know, Chrissy's doing a private gig here tomorrow. Why don't you come by and I can get you in to photograph her guitar. So I show up and I, was had my camera gear there. I was mm. looking around for somebody to work with. And this beautiful woman comes charging over to me. She's got this gorgeous scarf on and she has this whole air about her. Yeah. And she goes, excuse me, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm Lisa Johnson and I'm here to photograph Chrissy's guitar. Who gave you permission to do that? <laughs> oh, uh, so-and-so from yesterday. Yeah. And she kind of rolled her eyes and and I said, look, I'm, I'm just a girl in New York. Here's my card. It had Ben Harper's guitar on the yeah, front yeah. of it. I said, I'm, I'm working on a book project. And you know, Chrissy's a woman in rock. There's hardly yeah. any. I'm a woman. I'm trying to do something cool and unique in New York, photographing guitars. So that's, that's my shtick. And she said, well, all right. So I go over. And she goes, that's the guitar tech over there. So I go over. And they were getting ready to do this show. They had finished their sound check already. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they said, okay. So I took like a half a roll and they go, we got to go. So that's about all I got was 10 minutes. And afterwards I went over and I thanked the lady. I said, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, uh, I said, do you have a card? And she hands me your card, Liz Rosenberg. (laughs) (laughs) No one bigger than that. And she's, uh, she's doing her job. Let me turn to page 332. I want to see what kind of a photo you were able to get in 10 minutes. Okay. At the now, end of, these were at, the days. At the end of this show, Kyle is going to take a picture of you and I, and I bet, the, I bet that's going to be pretty great. You <laughs> um, <laughs> will give you ten minutes to get the show. Yeah, exactly. So, Christy Hind, I had very. Uh, I was shooting color infrared film at the time, mm-hmm. and I love this shot because if you can, if you turn the book to where the t- the side is facing me. No, nope, other way. I'm dumb. <laughs> Yeah, now look, now look at it. And doesn't that look like Gene Simmons with his tongue sticking oh, out? Oh, yes, I see that. I yeah. love that shot because of that. And oh, that that's is weird. Her, that's her Halkin guitar. That is weird. And it's just, in those days, I was really going for a more artful look. Uh-huh. So I love this. There's her, there's her telly, and it's plugged in. Mm-hmm. And you just see the bottom right-hand corner of it. And, uh, you know, there's movement in there. Because, uh, I mean, those days I wasn't even bringing my own lighting rig. And if I'd had it there at that moment, I wouldn't have been able to, to set it up anyway. Right. So you're just dealing with stage lighting and you letting the film. I would let the film do the job for me because it was super high-speed film. Yeah. So I say, yeah, like I know what you're talking about, but I'm just, yeah, it's just amazing just to look at it. 
And uh, and then the the uh, uh, the text in the book uh, is by Lisa also, and she explains some of the some of the things that you're she's telling yeah. Us I right explained now. some about the book, and I also it's my experience of what happened that day and mm-hmm. at that shoot. So yeah, the Elizabeth Rosenberg stories in there. So uh, yeah, you definitely get you get a sense uh, a little bit of what it's like to uh, to be Lisa and be out there in the trenches and trying to get these photos. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's go to Alex Lifeson. Now, Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson are both in the book. Yep. Uh, did you get to meet those dudes? I did not. I wish I had because they're my Canadian brothers. You uh-huh. know, I grew up in, in Canada and I grew up listening to Rush. And when I go to concerts, I'm, I'm like the only girl amongst all the guys <laughs> yes. that know all the not words. A lot of, <laughs> not a lot of girls uh, at the Rush concert. Uh, and so very, very nice uh, gentlemen, though. Uh, their office is super professional and uh, really great to work with. So I'm very happy to have two of Alex's guitars in there and Getty Lee's badass bass. And uh, let's hear uh, this song, this uh, this part of uh, the song we're going to play. We're going to play a little bit of Free Will. And there's also, uh, there's almost uh, a guitar and bass like little back and forth going on. So let's hear a little bit of this. There's Getty. No, and it's funny, like uh, when I go see some, uh, some I don't want to say old timers, but when I go see, when I go see, you know, some of these, uh, the classic rock bands I like to go see, uh, the difference with Rush is they still play with the ferocity that they did in their youth. They are playing hard and heavy two and a half, three hours the entire night. They are going for it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes people slow it down a little bit or change the key or change the whatever tempo. Not Rush. No. They're, they're right on the money, like right you on the money. to the album. Exactly. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac was like that last yes, night, Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Getty's voice, too, is like, I always, like, I listen to him, I'm like, dude, you are an extraterrestrial. Where did you come from with that voice? <laughs> and what's funny about Getty Lee is, uh, in the 70s, not that uh, attractive looking of a guy, but now he kind of is. He's kind of grown, he he's, he's kind of grown into it. Even, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... You disagree. You liked him from the beginning. I, I liked him from the beginning. I think he's I a better looking older you know, gentleman dude, than he was earlier. My guitar teacher reminds me of Getty Lee, and whenever he comes mm-hmm. over, I'm like, kind of like, wow, you're so hot, you know? <laughs> um, I love You're just my trying to get teacher. a free lesson with those compliments. <laughs> yeah, Pete Reese, by the way, if you're in L.A. and you need a good teacher, he's the dude. He's the guy. So I was going to ask you if you played uh, yeah, an instrument. Yeah, I'm learning, you uh-huh. know? Everyone plays... So many people play guitar. These kids, do you see them on YouTube? They're six, and they're like shredding ACDC and stuff and I'm like how do they learn how to play like that man I mean it's hard to learn to play the guitar you have so much res- even oh, more respect for my my wife bought me a guitar 10 years ago and uh, and it's just it's still there and I just haven't <laughs> taken I need to take a lesson I so need to, pretty to I know I just I just need to I need to take a lesson um, do you have any favorite guitarists um it's, there's so many good ones out there. It's hard to name favorites. Yeah. Um, right now, one of my really favorite guitarists who's in the book is Tom mm. Murillo. 
I just, From I just Rage Against the Machine and Audio playing. Slave. Yeah, and even his acoustic work in Night Watchman. And he's just yeah. he's a soulful man with a message that he's getting out there. And uh, if you've ever, if you have not seen him perform, if you've only heard him, you yeah. got to see him perform because he's a really great performer. Yeah, and he plays all over the new Bruce Springsteen album, High Hopes. And yeah, uh, and he was at every show yeah, practically. Yeah. I think you know. Yeah, like a, a special guest, but kind of kind of in the band too. I mean, yeah. Uh, and whenever I see him on an interview, he seems like he would be just fantastic. Uh, guy yeah then one of his buddies wayne kramer's in the book too there you go and i i love wayne i love mc5 uh the next page i have uh uh with a with a post-it note on right now is i hope i hope it's not that disrespectful that i have post-it notes on these pages not at all you know what what's cool about this book is that the pages don't fingerprint up you can put a post-it note on it will not hurt the book you've manhandled the book not not a fingerprint yeah goes on. not not at all it's amazing and, uh and I, so this page this is uh this is rick nielsen and uh Cheap Trick is has been my favorite band since since Budokan came out. I've been uh, you know I bought all their albums day of release. Gone to I've seen them more than I've seen any other band, and uh, and you picked uh, fantastic guitars to photograph. Did you have a, a lot of access to Rick Nielsen's guitars? Yeah, well, this is another one I asked quite a few times, and I think the third time was finally a charm yeah. when I got a yes. And, of course, the quad neck was there, mm-hmm. and I chose not to photograph it because it's been photographed, well-documented, and it's such a large yes. guitar that I decided to go for, you know, Uncle Dick. Uh, that's his double neck that's got the cheap trick, cheap on one neck, and uh, trick on the other neck, and it and it looks like Rick Nielsen, and it looks just like Rick Nielsen, and he he would wear that sweater that he's wearing on the guitar, uh-huh. and his cap, and uh, the shoes and everything, or the the shoes are checkered, which is the, the yeah, because the, the headstocks the one goes one way and one goes the other way, right, so it so looks like feet. shoes mm-hmm, for the feet, feet, and uh, that's his Uncle Dick double neck Hamer. And uh, that's got that has got a lot of road wear on yeah. it, and he throws that guitar around. There's a huge gouge on one <laughs> side of it, and uh, the other one of his that I loved that is the Rick of Diamonds that I had not seen before, and that's a Fender Tele, and it's been encrusted with Swarovski crystals, and it looks like a king of playing card. King. Yes, and instead of it being the 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 king of hearts or something, it has on the top left corner the R, R instead of, of a K. Yes, a diamond shape of I made out of the crystal, so it's the Rick of Diamonds. I have never seen this guitar until this book opened. I hadn't I opened either, this book. and so when uh, when I was there that day, I'm like, let's get this one because it's so unique. It and really, different. and if you see Cheap Trick in concert, Rick Nielsen plays changes his guitar almost every song. He brings out a different guitar. It's 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 a fun thing to see. And uh, it must be hell for the guitar tech, but um, but you, he's got four guitars in here. You have the uh, the classic uh, black and white checkerboard Hamer guitar, which I think everyone has seen. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another guitar that from the from the audience looks uh, amazing, and then up close, it is really has a lot of wear Tons and tear. Of road wear, yeah. yeah. I forget what year that guitar is. It says on the bottom there somewhere. Uh, it says uh, custom made, nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, checkerboard. Uh, uh, and uh, so, nick- nicknamed the Dream Police guitar. Right. I think it's on the cover of the Dream Police album, yeah. either, either for the front or the back. I mean, that's one of his most iconic guitars. It which is. is why I wanted to get that one. You know, the Dream Police guitar, and it's true. When from stage, uh, for you're in the audience, that guitar looks like pristine condition, yes. and up close, it's just cracked and worn down. And you also have a uh, from '88 a Gibson Les Paul. Yeah, and that has a ton of wear. And Where? if you look at the pick guard... Stained on, uh, or something. This, the pick guard's got the stain on it. And if you look down at the pickups yeah. that are ivory color, see you see all these different colors. 
he's hitting that pick so hard that the, that the color of the pick, pick is, is wearing off. off I've on never the pickup. seen that. Uh, it's it's on the on the pickups. Yeah, a whole new meaning to the word pickup. Yeah, <laughs> it's picking up picking all up. the wear and tear from his pick. Yeah, let's play. I didn't pick like a, I didn't pick a song that um, that is. Uh, uh, a, a well-known cheap trick song, but I did pick a song that has a great, uh, a great solo. It's from the album All Shook Up that was produced by George Martin. This is the solo from Love Comes a Tumbling Down. You got, uh, I just turned the page. It's Keith Richards. You got two Rolling Stones in here. You got uh, Ronnie Wood and Keith. Yep. And uh, I don't know who has more iconic riffs than than Keith Richards. Yeah. Right? I mean, every single song has has it's a crazy amazing. riff. Did you get, I, did you get I, to meet uh, Keith? I didn't get to meet Keith. Uh, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, however, they were around. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I, I was there at Soundcheck. It was a big process to get to photograph. I'm sure I'm guitars. sure it would be a big process to get near the stones. This was before I had any publicists helping me or anything. Uh, I had I had a friend. Who well, was, see, that's good to know. This was this was like a grassroots operation. Oh, yes. I've for only a had long a publicist time. the last two years. Oh. You know, so for 15 years I worked on this myself. See, that's and amazing then, to get access to to people. I still have to pinch myself and go. How did I get access? I mean. I mean, I know what you're talking about because just doing this podcast, I don't have a publicist for this podcast. And, and if, if I can get, you know, uh, a Melissa Etheridge or John Waite or Susanna Hoffs to come in the door, that's what my big fear is. I'm always afraid that they tell me they're coming and then they don't come mm-hmm. in the door. So it's yeah. it's difficult to do these things when you don't have, have help. So And, you know, back then there was no email either. When I first started, it was fax and phone. <laughs> that must have been ridiculous. And I would be sending packages by mail or FedEx oh sometimes. God. And, you know, it's all on my dime. You know, I've just paid for the right. whole thing myself. Uh, so with Keith and Ronnie, I happened to have a, a dear friend, Jim Bessman, who was the editor at Billboard magazine for a number of years. And he is friends with Bob Merlis. And Bob Merlis is friends with Pierre de Beauport, who is Keith Richards' guitar tech. Perfect. And so that's how that went down. And he said, call Pierre. So I called Pierre, and I had to call Pierre and call him again and again and again. And each time we spoke, he would ask me more and more questions. He wanted to get to know me. Like, was I worthy to... To, to go <laughs> photograph the Stones guitars. And it finally it boiled down to he found out that I was from Canada and that I, I like this band called Unknown Hinson. And so that sealed the deal. And he said, all right, because I was shooting for the MGM show in Las Vegas. And uh, they said, you can do it. And you're, since you're Canadian, you're going to work with Mike Cormier, who is Canadian and is Charlie Watts's drum tech. So I didn't get to work with Pierre or Johnny Starbuck, who was uh, Ronnie's guitar tech. I worked with the Canadian guy, Mike Cormier, who, who knew nothing about the guitars. He's the drum tech. So they're funny like that, you know. It's a good sense of humor. And uh, it was just a, a riot working with Mike. I met him the day before the shoot, uh-huh. and uh, we, had, we had our own session uh, getting to know each other. And then in the end, he's like, okay, you're going to photograph two guitars. They've picked them out. You're going to do Keith's um, ES350. Nice. 
and you're going to do Ronnie's L5. And these are the guitars that they warm up with backstage mm-hmm. before the show. They never bring them on the stage. Oh, it's wow. Very That's rare. really cool. It's very rare. There's actually is a DVD out where the, it's an acoustic set, and they and they are playing these guitars. Uh, very rare to see them. Um, you can find a few pictures of Keith with uh, that ES350 online. And, and these uh, cars are in uh, cars. These guitars are in really great shape too, because like you said, they're not they're not brought around. They're strictly for backstage warming up. Well, that's what Keith said, you know, in an interview about this this guitar is that you know he doesn't bring it out. He doesn't want it to get wet, it yeah. rained on, whatever, knocked nicked around because they're too valuable. Yeah, the wood, the wood, the quality of the wood grain is beautiful. Yeah, and you can see on the pick guard of Rick's, I mean of Keith's. Yeah, uh, you can see the the the, the pick guard is all gouged from yeah. the skull ring, and that's oh, what yeah, they love yeah, yeah. to see. You know, the wear that you would never see that from being far back in a, in a show. You have to see right. the guitar that close. Uh, up to to even notice that, and I I photographed Keith's guitar to give it show it the curves and angles and mm-hmm. give it an artistic, sexy look. Because a guitar, the shape of a guitar, it's like a woman. It is, you know, it really is it's an hourglass. And um, I, I don't know if you if people have seen you probably have seen Keith's hands up close in pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know if he can get those rings off anymore. His his knuckles know. are like so like. I don't know if it's arthritis or what, but his... Yeah, I know. He's got that skull ring. Yes. There's actually a company that I'm, I'm working with right now called Dead Ringers. And they... Nice. Have you heard of them? I haven't, but that um, sounds like a great name. They, they make... There's four skull rings that they make. Uh, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. and Keith Richards. And what they did was they took 100 photographs of each one of those artists, and they have a software system that can actually map it out, and then they oh get God. what the skull looks like. And then they made a mold, and they have these rings. And they're 500 bucks. And then there's other ones that are like 15 grand because they're all diamond and you know encrusted. Well, if you're going to buy one of those rings, buy Keith's because you'll live forever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about publicists. Let's give a shout-out to the people that helped coordinate this. Uh, I hope I'm saying their names correctly. Uh, Cheryl Northrup yep. and Wes Seeley. Yes. Um, Wes is with Hal Leonard. Yes, and, that's uh, the book the publisher. Mm-hmm. He's the book publisher's publicist. And Cheryl, uh, I've worked with for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and prior to that, I have to give a huge shout out to Jeff Albright, who I work with on many of these photo shoots for uh, um, a year or two years before I started working with Cheryl. So I've had an amazing team. Well, I'll tell you what, these people, that uh, Wes and Cheryl, um, I contacted Wes first and then he put me in touch, touch with Cheryl and they got this thing coordinated within a week, yeah. very quickly. Uh, and I can tell you that it doesn't happen like that often. Mm-hmm. So I thank them. They also, I want to tell you, I'll tell you this right now. Uh, we're, we, I have two of these books. Lisa has signed them and, and we're going to give those away. I'll have a trivia question. Uh, it's not a hard trivia question, but what we'll do is I will take all the correct answers uh, for the for the next uh, seven days, and then I'll put those in a random drawing, and I'll have my cool. I always have my my ten year old. She likes to pull the name out of a hat. Nice. But um, but uh, so two people two people listening today are going to get uh, soft cover copies of this book. And uh, let's move on. Cool. Let's move to uh, who's the next person? I so, oh slash. Slash. Did you meet Slash? I have met Slash. Yeah, his is a great story. Uh, The first time I I met Slash, my says right here. I first met Slash. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was in the field at uh, in Toronto. Uh, The Blue Jays and the Red Sox were opening season game, 
uh, baseball. And Slash was going to perform the national anthem, both Canadian and American. Nice. And uh, kind of a Jimi Hendrix tribute. Yeah, huh? absolutely. And so a friend of mine, Paul Alexander, who is a fantastic celebrity photographer in Toronto, his friend was the publicist for that stadium and had organized the whole Slash thing. Great. So he's like, fly over to Toronto and come visit me and, you know, we'll get you to, in to photograph Slash. So... That's what happened. So we go there, and Adam Day was his guitar tech at the time, mm-hmm. and I worked with him. We photographed the guitar, and afterwards he goes, you want to meet Slash? I'm like, yeah. And he was in the middle of the stadium of the field doing something. And we walk out there, and I introduce myself, and he's like, oh, you're the girl who's photographing my guitar. He goes, that's cool. He says, everyone wants to photograph me, and you only want to photograph my guitar. That's really cool. <laughs> so, so then... Uh, top hat or no top hat? Uh, no, he didn't have the top hat on out in the field, no. So then we're a year later, I'm in Vegas, and Adam Day calls me up, and he goes, you want to photograph the real guitars? I'm like... What? He goes, well, that guitar, Gibson flew in just for that promo for him to do the, the two anthems. He's like, come on over. So I went over and photographed all these guitars that you see in the book now, which is his 1985 Gibson Les Paul. It's got a cigarette burn on the next page, actually that he was playing one night with, um, with Alice Cooper on the right-hand side, nice. and the cigarette bud fell off when he was mid-solo, and he just, just stuck on the lacquer, and, and just it caught burned. Fire, burned. Yeah, so that's a cool story. And, you know, Gibson, one day they put a bunch of, of scraps together, of Les Paul, and they sent it to, to Slash, and on the back of it they etched into it scrap for Slash, Guns N' Roses, and... I fixed a little skull with a top hat on. So do you just mean like scrap pieces that were left over? Yeah. And they just put them all together and built like a Frankenstein guitar basically for Slash. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. You know? Yeah. These are great looking. These are Slash. There's and his a bunch DC of... Rich is there. That red one. Yeah. Right here. Yeah. And he's got such cool guitar picks. It's got his, his little signature drawing of the skull and the, the, the crossbones. Crossbones. And that's, that's on his pick, and he puts a piece of tape on the side of the headstock, and then he sticks his guitar picks there so he can throw one out and you know keep nice. playing. Let's, yeah. uh, I've met him a couple other times since then, too. Um, in fact, the next page you're going to turn is uh, Sugizo's guitar, and he's an amazing Japanese guitarist. I went to Japan to photograph his guitar, and he ended up being, coming to L.A. last year, and we met up for lunch at the Sunset Marquee Hotel. And be damned if when we were walking in, there was Slash. So <laughs> I said, hey, Slash, how you doing? And I got to introduce him to Sikizo, So And does Slash remember, he remembers you? Uh, he, I said, I'm Lisa Johnson. And, and, he, and he was you. like, oh, yeah, you're the girl. He goes, I just got you know, my book, and I just got all these great prints nice. from you. I really appreciate it. So. Well, uh, well, let's listen to some Slash. I went, uh, I went with, because uh, I love the solo, but November Rain.
appropriate song where it's the last day of November That's and we're right. in the rain. I didn't even think of that. Mm-hmm. Look, you're on the ball today. Um, uh, when you have a nine-minute song, you got to have a, a an epic guitar solo. Yeah. November Rain definitely mm-hmm. has it. Um, Steve Vai yep. played with Zappa, played uh, with White Snake. And uh, I have a song today we'll play in a second after we hear a little uh, bit about Steve Vai. Uh, I have a, when he was with David Lee Roth, they have a solo from one of the songs. But uh, this guitar has like, it has a, I remember seeing this guitar when I saw him play with David Lee Roth. It has a, has a handle on it, like yeah, cut his, into it. The Ibanez Jim, that's, uh, you know, that guitar, it's got the, you can hold on to it with your, it's got the finger grip. Now, is that, is that specific just to his own no. guitar? That's that, this guitar always has that handle. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Ibanez Jim okay. guitar. And that's his, he named it Evo, which is written on a piece of tape on the front of the guitar. Yeah. And that was his number one guitar for many, many years. And what's the Evo mean? Do you know? Did he uh, tell people? I, you know, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know what that means. Eddie Van Halen. I don't remember what it means. Eddie Van Halen won. <laughs> no. Evo, evo, short for evolution, maybe. I think it could be evolution. Um, he writes about that guitar quite extensively on his website. Uh, he, it's a guitar he's been through thick and thin with. Wow. And, um, like a, uh, it's like a, it's a friend. It's a friend. Yeah. It's a lover. It's, uh, it's your soul. And it's written all over that guitar. It's years of playing. And I believe that guitar is now retired, so you won't see him bring that out on stage much because they get a little fragile after so many years of playing, and you just got to shelve it so you can preserve it. But you will see it in this book. And that's the one he wanted photographed. I only photographed one of his guitars, and that was the one. It was at his house, and his son was there, and he had a, you know, they had a crew of people there. Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't get to meet Steve. However, they, they brought his guitar from the garage area, which I believe was his studio area. Yeah. And I don't know if he was home or not. Anyway, they, they brought the guitar and the kids and everyone were all kind of hanging, watching the show as I was photographing it and eating. Yeah. And uh, then when I was done, I noticed I was leaving. He had all these jars of honey stacked up by the door. And I'm like, oh, what's with the honey? And they go, oh, well, well Steve makes honey. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> I go, well, my family makes honey. Johnson Honey from Canada. We've made clover honey for years what? and years. That's why I recognized it. I knew it was fresh, you know, unpasteurized honey. And, uh, yeah, my uncle raised bees uh, for many, many years. They finally sold it off. I thought you were going to say And then Steve came out to talk about honey, not I about guitars. No, I, I wanted a jar of that honey. I wanted to ask for a jar. I oh, really yeah, I wanted a jar. I thought you were going to say they just were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you can take do. some. <laughs> uh, now, uh, the pictures uh, are a black background. What are, what are the, when you take the photo, is it, is it lying down? What, yeah. do you have it, what do you have it on? Uh, all kinds of things. That the, my, my backup standard mm-hmm. is I always have my own black velvet background. Okay. And I lay the guitar down. I can't stand having that guitar stand in there. No, it's ugly. Yeah. So, no, I lay it down. And uh, sometimes I'll be... I I love the shot of if you get to uh, Warren D. Martini in here. Um, He had a beautiful... From Rat? Yeah, bluish, purplish velvet chair with those studs, you know, in them on the front. And... I have his Charvel Python guitar propped up on that that chair, and I love that. So, you, you know, it's wonderful when I get to go to the artist's home and photograph their guitars right there, because yeah. then I can put it in their own. Oh yeah, there it is in the, in the velvet chair. Yeah, Very isn't nice. That awesome. I that love is... that shot. And that Warren D. Martini. That's a Python snakeskin that he found in New Orleans, and he had his guitar tech stretch it on 
to his Charvel guitar. Oh, wow. And now Charvel has a signature Python Warren D. Martini guitar that is cool. This this guitar though is beyond cool, and you can see on that shot right there. See how the, the scales of the of the snake skin yeah. are f- fluffed up from his playing when his pick guard yeah. hits. There's oh, no pick right guard. Yeah, he, you'd think that you'd want to preserve the snake skin. You don't need to because the snake skin is so durable yeah, that so the scales are still there. They're just you can see where the pick's hitting them though. They're all soft and worn down and still intact. And I think sometimes uh, the band Rat doesn't get a lot of respect anymore. But I'll tell you what, Warren Demartini oh. should because he's a fantastic guitarist. Unbelievable. And just a, a, a really sweet, gentle, kind human being. I mean, went to his house to photograph his and, you know, you take your shoes off mm-hmm. and you just feels all like you're in Hawaii. Like <laughs> fresh air is breezing through all the windows. Excellent. And it's quiet. And he's, he was tinkering away. Fixing you probably just guitar. wanted to get your yoga mat out. I did, yeah. <laughs> but photographing, shooting is like yoga for me. It is yoga. You, it's intense. Yeah. You're focused. You're, I'm aware of my breath. I'm aware of my abs. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like <laughs> using my abdominals. Because, you know, sometimes I just have to hold really still and brace myself, yeah. especially in the early days when I didn't have a lighting rig. I was if you, used to using available light in high-speed films, and you'd have to hold your breath so you weren't moving to take the picture. So it's, it's very Yeah, yogic. it's just not point and shoot, people. No. Now, when the, now uh, is it is it all digital now, or do you actually is this film and you develop it? What, it's what happened? All digital now. Okay. Uh, I had to because the workflow is so much easier yeah. when it comes to digital. As as much as I love film, and I do have all of us old Kodak reps, we all have still freezers full of film. Film. And because they gonna, don't make it any, this, gonna, they don't make it anymore. Well, really, film right? is still being made. It's just in much, much, much smaller quantities. And is it expensive because of the quantity? It's expensive, is, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, the, the processing is expensive, mm-hmm. and just the whole. I, I ha, I'm going to shoot these films. And the next book will have film in it too, because mm-hmm. um, I, I want to make sure I use up that film before you can't get it developed anymore. Right. Um, but you, you know how to develop it, then. Um, I put black and white, but not color, not color. film or chrome. Yeah, that would be difficult. You know? Yeah. Um, are you nervous when you have to, like they say, oh, okay, here is, here's Steve Vai's uh, favorite guitar. It's his baby. It's his girlfriend. It's his wife. It's his child. Are you nervous handling that thing? I am not nervous handling the guitars. For me, they're like my friend. Okay. And I've handled them so ma- many guitars that... I love handling them because mm-hmm. I can flip them around real quick and I can move them. You know, I, I get one with the guitar. So I, I don't have a problem. There are uh, very few. Some artists, you don't get to touch the guitar. Oh, okay. So, for example, Jimmy Page, I had uh, requested and they came back and said, okay, we'll do it. Uh, which guitar do you want? And I said, well, I either want the Gibson Les Paul with the bow. Uh-huh. Or the Stairway to Heaven guitar. And so they brought the, the double neck. Uh-huh. And uh, Lionel Ward, his guitar tech for many, many years, was there. And he set it up for me. So he handled it. Whenever I needed it, it moved, he would come over and he'd move it for me. So I moved around that guitar uh-huh. more than I moved the guitar. It okay. was just easier to do that. I guess if you have so. a big space, too, it's easier to move around it, too. Yeah. I had a big space there. Uh, the, nine, t- nine times out of ten, though, or like nine and a half times out of ten, though, I have total carte blanche, and I, I do what I need to do. That's and cool. Half the time, they just walk away and leave me alone, and I do my thing. Well, let's hear a little. This is Steve Vai solo from David Lee Roth's song called Knuckle Bones. Hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, when Dave went solo and he picked uh, Steve Vai as his guitarist, that was a pretty good choice uh, oh, yeah. after playing with Eddie all those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next guy on, on, the, on, my, uh, on my list here is, uh, is, uh, is Jimmy Page. To make sure I knew it was, mm-hmm. but I had to look. I love uh, that guitar. Is Jimmy Page? Yeah, this is this is unbelievable. This is uh, now, mean, this is the stairway to heaven guitar. Yeah, I mean that's the holy grail of double necks right there. Yeah. I mean that's his EDS twelve seventy five SG Gibson SG double neck, and he's played. I believe that's a nineteen sixty eight. I want to say. Um, and he's been playing that all those years. Yeah, nineteen sixty eight. And you see the wear. Look, you're looking at the back, the back of, the, of, the of the headstocks there, and there's just you know layers of years of sweat, yep, uh, and and dirt, even on there. Even though the guitar is very clean, you mm. can just see you know the wear on that. It's like it's like an old table almost. It's still beautiful, but it has has um, imperfections on it's in the so finish. It's so much more beautiful now. And yeah. Uh, the front of it, uh, the pick guard, there's a big scratch that goes down the center of the big pick guard. And I didn't even notice that when I was photographing mm-hmm. it. I mean, I go into a zone when I'm shooting. I'm, I'm just, I got to get the shot. I'm this particular one in particular, uh, the whole time I was shooting, I was just like, please, God, please let me get the killer shot. Right. Please, you know, because you can't really see what you're getting until you get home. And uh, I didn't even... You're on adrenaline. You're just kind of working on adrenaline, and I didn't see that scratch down the center. And then I got home. I'm like, whoa, you know, this is cool. Even if this guitar was uh, was on display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I don't think you would get uh, as intimate with it as you do with the pictures in this book. No way. You really, I have to agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the, the unique no thing about this imagery is it just hones, in, and that's how I view life. So I can't photograph it any other way. Yeah. Really, I don't like mug shots of guitars, like you were saying. Yeah, it's just boring. Earlier. It's 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 nice. You can see the guitar; it's beautiful. It's cold. It's, it is. It, it's, there's no warmth. That's I, a good way to put it. It's I cold. Sh- I shot with a warm light, so you have the warmth in there that draws you in to looking at the detail that I'm focusing in on that you would never see unless you're that close to the guitar. And so mm. you get a feeling when you look at the, these images. And here's the, and this is my, uh, I don't know what they're called. What are, what are these called? Are these called? That's how you tune the guitar. But what is that? Is the there a name? Knob the tuning knob. Uh, these tuning knobs on this uh, Jimmy Page guitar are, are gorgeous. They almost look like they're ivory. Yeah. And there's a, uh, the next on this, it's a six string and a 12 string. It's really, really cool. Yeah, so the twelve string is the opening yeah. uh, of the stairway to heaven, and then the six string the solo. And this, uh, and this says you photographed this in London. I did. I flew to to London specifically for this yes. photo shoot. Uh huh. Yeah, it was really cool because I had put in a request for for Jimmy, and uh, they got back right away. So, so professional. Nice. Just, really, I mean, they were so beautiful to work with. And at the time, I had photographed. 105 of Eric Clapton's guitars years before at when he sold the first round of guitars. There's a book right there, just Eric Clapton guitars. And so when I'd done that, I'd, I'd approached them and I'd said, hey, do you want to do a book of Eric's guitars? Uh-huh. And they, he passed at that time. So I shelved the, the whole thing. I, I was just, I'm not going to use these images for anything unless Eric yeah. authorizes it. You know, I'm glad I got the guitars. However, I'm not doing anything unless Eric wants to. So I sat on them. So now when I was going, this is 10 years later, I'm going to shoot Paige's guitar. I was in Hawaii when I got the yes for Paige. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to email Clapton's people and tell them I'm coming over to shoot Paige's guitar. While I was in Hawaii, before I left Hawaii, I get an email from Clapton's office asking me, before I could email them, uh-huh. 
um, do you still have those images of you shot of Clapton's guitars? I said, yes, I sure do. In fact, it's wild. I'm hearing from you because I'm coming to photograph Jimmy's guitar. I was going to reach out and see if you wanted to meet up to to see if you want to do something with these negs. And it turns out Genesis was putting together a book for Eric of all the collections that he'd sold, the three auctions where he sold. And so they wanted to use my images as inset photos for that book. And they ended up using 45 of my images in his book that came out last year called Six String Stories. So you get a payday for that. Uh, well, it's for charity, for Crossroads. Oh, okay. okay. And so uh, they actually did offer me a fee. And I said, no, give it to the charity. Look at the, how and, nice that uh, is. And then Crossroads, which is the drug rehabilitation uh-huh. center that he reason he sold all of his guitars, is in Antigua. And I went there this last April and I made an appointment and I, I threw clapped office I got permission to go because you can't just go to the drug rehab uh-huh. and they let me in and I gave them two big prints of, oh, of to his, hang of in his there. brownie guitar yeah and uh, and I gave them a copy of the book for their library for their for their patients so it was really well, that's cool. gonna make me cry look at that hey man I mean Eric's I don't know the man uh-huh. I know about him yeah and he's been through to hell and back yeah he's been through a lot of stuff and uh, I just think it's so such an honorable thing to do to say, you know, I have these guitars that are really my prized possessions. I'm going to sell them so that I can raise money and help other people with their addictions. Yeah. And um, I just, my heart smiles. Yeah. And my, my dear friend, Virginia Lowell, was the one who facilitated my ability to photograph all those guitars at, at Christie's. And she worked closely with Eric and uh, she ended up passing away. Uh. So, you know, it's just... A tribute to Jeannie. Yeah, you did good. You yeah. did good work. Um, yeah, because I, I think also when these guys get a, a little older in age, they realize, well, when I'm gone, what's going to happen with these guitars? Someone might take them and make money for something I might not agree with. So let me put it to good use while I can still see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Also in the book, you give uh, you give the you give credit to the guitar techs and stuff on these. I pages. sure do because the guitar techs they're kind of like. They work their asses off, and they are so valuable on the road into these guitarists, and nobody knows who they are. Yeah. And they're the coolest people to work with. They're kind of like, uh, if you had a baby, this would be your nanny. Exactly. <laughs> they're like a nanny to these, these guitars. These guys know these guitars inside, outside, upside down, mm-hmm. too. So that's why I, don't, I tell the artists, like, you don't have to be there. I'd love it if you could be You're there. Sure. If you can't, don't worry about it. I just need to work with a guitar tech. And so sometimes they show up and they probably they like that too. They probably think, Oh, this is real legit. It's not just someone that's trying to sneak in here and meet me. Yeah. This is a legit right. deal. I don't need to meet them. Let's, we can't not play Jimmy page. So let's, yeah. this is, this is a song that predates, uh, the stairway to heaven guitar. Uh, and this is, this is heartbreaker. Cool. <laughs> So good. I mean, it's 
like unbelievable. It's so good. It's so clean. Like there's nothing else going on Mm -hmm. except for the guitar and the sound coming out of the amp. It's it's is. that's why we've been listening to it for 50 years because it yeah. it never gets old. That's why it's hard for me to get into newer bands because the, the old school music is so good. I know. It's still so good. If they came out today with that song, it would be the rage. I have friends that are my age that, that they, you know, they, they will exclusively seek out new bands and try to tell me, you know, why do you still listen to that old stuff? And I'm just like, okay, the band that you just found out and God bless them. But you let me know the fin- that if in even 10 years, you're still listening to that. Yeah. And who did they, who were their influences? Who were they, these guys. Yeah. So, so why may as well listen to the original thing? Well, uh, we're not done with you yet, but I want to, uh, do you have a website? I do. Let's it's let's give it 108 rockstar guitars. Is that the number? Is it one Oh eight? It's www.108 rockstar guitars.com. It's a cool website. You can see a lot of the images in the book. You can see the book. You can flip through the book. Uh, you can buy the book online um there's stories mm. on there you can look online folks but it will not be the same as holding it in your hand and 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 seeing it seeing the real deal uh robbie krieger from the doors did you meet robbie I krieger did. yeah robbie's been over to my house a few times he brought his guitars over for me to photograph that is incredible yeah and uh i was home alone and i didn't hear the doorbell ring so finally when i realized he was there I come down the stairs, and by this time, he had his hands cupped on his face looking through my window. <laughs> Let me in. So uh, then we went out to his car. We, he brought his three guitars for me. He got his, his Gibson SG, mm-hmm. which the original one was stolen, by the way. So the one that's in this book is a replica that is exactly like the one that was stolen and that he's used for a long time. And then he brought his 1963 Jose Ramirez guitar, uh-huh. which was one of his very first guitars his dad bought for him when he was 17. Because his dad used to listen to a lot of flamenco music. And mm-hmm. so Robbie loved flamenco. Yeah, and that, his that dad, influences all over the door stuff. Yeah. And now, especially his uh, Robbie Krieger's uh, jazz, jazz kitchen, mm-hmm. jam kitchen. Uh, it's all like this really avant-garde Very cool. uh, jazz. Anyway, his dad was doing a trip to Spain and he's like, dad, you know, bring me back a flamenco guitar. So that's the one he, he brought over and the tuning knobs are wood, wooden. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then he brought his, um, his starburst, uh, Gibson Les Paul that he's played for many, many years and it only weighs seven pounds. It's hollowed out. It's, uh, it, wow, cool. I mean, Robbie's, Robbie's a, you know, he's a small guy. He's actually. a slight dude. Yeah. Yeah. So he likes a light guitar. Unlike, uh, unlike Jeff Skunk Baxter's whose guitar weighs 18 pounds. Well, that's cause Jeff sits when he plays, so True. he doesn't have to, he doesn't, he doesn't have, have to, to stand it. around yeah. and hold it. Um, the, uh, I, I've uh, I've lived in Los Angeles for almost twenty years now, and my friend and uh, my friend Jimmy and I we go see tons of shows. There's only ever been one show that was sold out, and we could not get into, and it was when the Doors were playing as the Doors of the 21st century. Uh-huh, I yeah. think uh, who was the lead vocalist from the Cult was with them, oh, and we could not get in that show. We couldn't get a ticket wow. prior. We couldn't get a ticket at the venue. Couldn't get a ticket from a scalper. I mean, people were like, no, nah, no, nah, we're seeing the doors. It's not the door, but we're seeing these guys play live. 
and we're not selling wow. these tickets I've to anyone. I've never seen the Doors live yeah. either. You know, I've seen Robbie perform. Yeah. You know, as the Jam Jazz Kitchen, and then he he and uh, Scotty Medlock they have a, a golfing tournament every year out in more more was it more park more park and it's a fundraiser for St Jude's and uh, Robbie they do these uh, uh, they, he gets all these different singers to to do Jim's parts and different guitars nice. and uh, it's it's great because you get to hear some cool doors. Yeah, I'm glad that those guys still. Can uh, can make a living, go out and play because it's you know it's sad when a singer dies so young and then they're just like, well now what do we do? So yeah, and then there was the whole lawsuit because uh, Robbie and Ray wanted to go out and yeah. play, and then they had that's when they had to change it to the doors of the twenty first yeah, century because John didn't want yeah. any part of it. And now Ray is gone, so it's, there's only two doors standing. I know. Wonder if they're friendly. Those two doors. I think they've worked it out. I think so. I don't really know, you know. Yeah. I th- I think I kind of get that vibe that they were. I'm not trying to get gossip from yeah, you. I no, was no, just no. Uh, speculating. I think I've just read. I mean, it's public, you know. Right. I think that they have um, they've worked things out. Well, here's a here's a song that uh, that um, Robbie wrote. This is "Light My Fire." Let's oh, hear this. Yeah. Solo. People often think of uh, the keyboard so much in this song, but then here we go. Yeah, that's when people would jam. It's, I was just going to say, it's the ultimate psychedelic jam. Yeah. You know, because didn't they, like, uh, the Colonel Bruce Hampton, who's also in this book, mm-hmm. he was noted as one of the first, like, jam band yeah. dudes. And then the Almond Brothers and all those guys. The, the, the Doors, though. I mean, they were the ultimate psychedelic jam band. Before well, there was a, you called it jam band. They had to jam because they didn't know if Jim was going to show up or if he was going to fall right. off stage or if he's going to go backstage and knock him back. Yeah. So they had to keep it going. They just kept going and going. Pamela DeBar, you mentioned earlier. Yes. She was yeah, here. she was on the she, show. She uh, came up with a book called uh, I'm With The Band. Yes. And I've, I've read parts of it. And there's a part in there where she was hanging out with Jim and he, they were supposed to be playing at the, I don't know, the Viper Room uh-huh. or one of those clubs. And... She and Jim were making out upstairs, <laughs> and he suddenly realized, ah, I'm supposed to be on stage. <laughs> so he goes down, and there they are, you know, waiting for, yeah. for Jim. Yeah, they've been jamming up. for yeah, two 20 hours. 20 minutes, yeah, or longer. Uh, uh, yeah, Pamela, when she was on, because uh, especially when I have a guest like that beforehand, I'll say, is there anything you don't want to talk about? And she goes, I don't say who's the biggest, and I don't say who's the best. Ah, so, that's right. cool. So uh, she's a cool lady. She was really She came cool. to my book launch event last year. And uh, she's, um, you know, 
I'm so glad that I read her book because people make assumptions of yeah. what a groupie is, what a groupie does. Yeah, like a ne- negative and, assumptions. And negative, and you know, when when her and and Mercy GT, you know, yeah. the GTO girls, and they were hanging out with Frank Zappa and stuff. Mm-hmm. They were young, innocent girls, and back in those days, it wasn't like to nowadays where right. sex is even more prevalent yeah. than, than it was back then. And they were they were good girls. I, yeah, they went down on guys. I, yeah, look. It wasn't like they were having yeah. sex with all these guys. Right. Do I want? Yeah. Do I want my daughter to be a groupie? I do not. <laughs> but I, when they explain it, it comes from a it comes from a place of love rather mm-hmm. than some place I of mean, some she dirty shares, thing. She shares her her lots of her diary yes, notes, absolutely. and you can just see the innocence written in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they were they were good girls. They were cool chicks. And if they weren't. I don't think Jimmy pa- Robert Plant would be still hanging out with Pamela. Right? Barr, no, you know? not and at they're all. They're still friends. So yeah, like when yeah. she was on the show, she's like, "I just talked with uh, Robert the other day," and I'm just like, "This is insane!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, just to sit here yeah. next to someone who just talked she's to Robert forged Plant. Lifelong friendships with absolutely all of these people. So. Absolutely. Uh, I hope you met this guy. I don't know if you've met this guy, but I hope you did, Joe Walsh. I've met Joe Walsh. Yeah. In fact, his wife. How you doing, Marjorie? <laughs> is a good friend of a friend of mine. And so we tried to get the shoot together uh-huh. years ago. It didn't happen anyway. Uh, uh, my boyfriend and I every year, William Shatner, has got um, the, his annual charity horse show okay. every year. And he brings in these great artists. So, you know, Cheryl Crow, I photographed her guitar at his thing. And Joe was performing one year. So we made it happen that year. Nice. And so Joe, uh, I got to meet Joe at that because it was a really informal thing. Yeah. And, and, and Bill walked him around and introduced him to people and stuff. And, uh, so I had photographed his this one gold top that you're looking at is 58 Les Paul, and, and a little bit of the guitar case also over yeah, here. Yeah, I love that case. I love how they they they, they inventory their guitars and they have to. It's put just them a piece market. of like masking tape written with a sharpie. Yep, yep, that's what they do. Yeah. And so uh, I photographed that guitar, and then uh, like a month later, the guy that I worked with that brought his guitar over, Christopher. Mm-hmm calls me up and he goes, you know, Joe has this other guitar that he thinks you might want to photograph. You know, are you interested? I'm like, sure, bring it over. So he brings over this Jay Backlund Never guitar. even heard of that. It looks like a spaceship, this yeah. guitar. And uh, it's a, such a unique-looking guitar. It's You can't even describe the shape of it. You just have to see it. it it's very retro-looking with chrome, and it's a teal, um, teal painted teal color green. Yeah, I feel like I'm at a, a space age '50s diner when I look exactly. at this. Exactly. And what yeah. is that? I don't, I've never even heard of this guitar company before. I hadn't either. Uh, in fact, I just connected with him on on Facebook recently uh, because we posted a, a, a happy birthday message to J- to Joe on my Facebook fan page. Actually, you could go to it. Facebook is 108 yeah. Rockstar Guitars. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if you if you get to meet one of the Eagles, you might as well meet the nice one, and that would probably be Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, met, uh, I, I photographed Don Felder's guitar, too. I think Don's probably a nice guy, too. Uh, I didn't get to meet Don, though. And uh, his guitar in there is the Hotel California guitar, and I got to photograph it at Gibson. Oh, there, yeah, it, there is. it is. Uh, right... When they were casting it to make the replica Hotel oh, nice. California guitar, I saw uh, Don opened up uh, for Sticks and oh, what were the three uh, Sticks and Foreigner this past summer, and I've never seen a guy look happier to be out and playing live again. And people uh, people ate it up. They didn't. He 
He's amazing, yeah. man. I on the way here, funny because last night we were listening to we went to see Fleetwood Mac, so I was right. listening to the Rumors album, and then I love Blue Lamp, Stevie Nicks. That you could only find that That's song on the uh, heavy, metal heavy metal soundtrack. soundtrack. So I listened to that last night too, and then on the way driving here, I I put that back on, started with Blue Lamp, and then the, then it starts off with the first track. The- I don't I, I don't own a lot of soundtracks, but uh, I, I own heavy metal soundtrack, and I own the uh, the um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High soundtrack. Oh, well, you and my boyfriend uh, would love each other. He well, he loves Fast Times. At yeah, Ridgemont lots of uh, lots of great uh, music on both those soundtracks. Let's listen to a little Joe Walsh uh, from uh, when he was with the James Gang. Cool. This is Funk Number Forty Nine. I don't want to keep you here all day, but because uh, I could, I could just. Do I this. love talking about this. I could stuff. do this all day. Uh, so much fun do you have me. an out, or can we keep going for a little yeah, bit we can longer? Keep going. Sure. Okay, great. Is uh, there, uh, has there ever been anyone? That's wait, who's this talking now? Who's this guy? I, didn't, I haven't heard this guy. Go ahead. What, that, what do you like? That's seen your pictures, and then they've like asked you for if like to to buy be in some your, or oh. just to like. Uh, if well, you could no, they back. haven't asked if they can. Uh, no, they haven't. I sent them all. The deluxe edition mm. of the book. Everyone who's in the book. Got everyone a, who's in the book got a deluxe copy of the book, which is five hundred and forty dollar retail value. Wow. It comes with a silk scarf and a, uh, a, a collector's box. Yeah. <laughs> it comes with a guitar. Collector's box and it's signed and numbered, and um, they all got that, and they all got prints. So every image that's in the book. A, a museum quality print was made, and I okay. sent those to all the artists. So oh, they, okay. they got everything; they didn't need to buy anything. Okay. This uh, the soft cover version goes for what? The soft cover is fifty four dollars on on retail. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Barnes and Noble, you're going to pay fifty four, or you can go to Amazon; it's thirty six. That yeah. let me tell you something. It's a deal. I'm going to tell you something right now, guys. You know how everyone says my husband's really hard to buy for, my dad I don't know what to get my dad. 36 bucks. if your dad's a rock and roll fan, you're going to make his Christmas. So go to Amazon. I don't care where you go to buy it, but go buy this. They will love it. They will absolutely love it. If your dad's a classic rock fan or just a music fan, th- th- here's the gift. You, uh, we're, we're, we're giving you a gift today by telling you to go buy this. And it's a nice size book, too. It's a it's great like- size book. Yeah, the soft cover is a, a nine by ten, mm-hmm. so it's almost a yeah. square. The hard cover is big, and it, it's still available on my website. You okay, can buy cool. it, and you can find it on Amazon too. It's almost sold out. It's wow. one hundred and eight dollars, and you can find it's a little less on Amazon mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and it's nine pounds, and it's a red leatherette, and it's it's heavy. It's, it's beautiful. Big. I mean, um, it's this a beautiful one book. is manageable. You know, it's yeah. it's affordable. It's manageable. You can you can. Put it in a bag and mm-hmm. go on a trip with it. You know the hardcover that one's going to sit on your coffee table. Well, today when I got in the car and I was like, "Oh, it's raining," I put mine in a plastic bag, <laughs> wrapped it all up. Uh, the um, I like yeah because it's it's a hundred and eight rock star guitar, so the hardback is one hundred and eight dollars. Yeah, the soft cover is half of that, fifty four dollars. And the deluxe edition is five hundred and forty. So it's always a nine because one hundred and eight totals nine. Exactly. Yeah. 
And then I, uh, and before we started recording, I called it a paperback and Lisa slapped me in the mouth. <laughs> she goes, we call this a soft cover. <laughs> well, that's my publicist, Cheryl Northrup. She insists yeah, that we makes call sense. it soft cover. A paperback's like a, a, a novel, novel that you're reading at the beach. Yeah. This is not that. You don't want to take this it's to the beach. It's still very deluxe. It's a soft it, cover book. It definitely is. We kept the, the, the stock of the paper mm-hmm. is very thick and heavy. The, it's a six color process, mm-hmm. which means there's an extra layer of black. So the blacks are really rich. And then there's two tip varnishes. So the, every image has a tip varnish yeah. on it and it just jumps off the page. So. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, uh, like, yeah, like the actual picture and then the stuff that surrounds it is like here, like the, the picture of this guitar is, what do you call this compared to this part of the paper? Okay. So you've got the image area, the image area. that has the tip varnish. So that's why it's glossy. It's like image. a little glossy. And then the edge around it is also black like paper. Like a matte, more it's, of a it's matte. It's a matte. Yeah, it's a matte black versus a, a shiny, glossy matte that the image is. And we are, uh, we're looking at uh, Mick Jones from Foreigner's guitar. Uh, Foreigner, for me, they have some of the most recognizable guitar licks. Like, every single one of their singles has, like, just a stellar... Like, I don't even know how you could come up with that many licks that then were in hit songs. Mick Jones did it. Mm-hmm. So let's hear a little bit of, uh, I got, I got the, uh, the, uh, I'm reading it and I can't for some reason talk right now. Uh, the solo from dirty white boy oh, okay. queued up. Let's listen to that. There's a quote from Mick Jones about the guitar that's on this page. He says, I've sacrificed a lot in my life for this instrument, for my rapport with it and what it means to me. My playing, my writing, and my success have all been tied up in the guitar. Yeah, and I, I find that a really humble statement yeah. too. You know, it's not about him. Yeah. It's about the relationship that he has with has invested in his guitar. And that is true of any guitar great. The amount of time they have invested that's why they're so great yeah some of them may be naturals even the naturals they practice every day yeah you know even the like the greatest guitars in the world they practice every day yeah it's uh you you have to be good i I, we talked about joe walsh earlier i just i saw him in an interview recently and he said he goes oh i I still don't think i'm any good (laughs) (laughs) he goes you got to practice to get good and i still don't think i'm good uh i'm on a page now one of my favorite bands of all time is uh from uh from great britain it's a hard rock uh, combo ufo Mm -hmm. this is a michael shanker guitar it's a flying v but this is like uh this i've never seen this guitar this is um he calls this his kaleidoscope kaleidoscope guitar guitar. and it was inspired by some buddy of his couch that had this crazy pattern on it and so he had uh dean guitars make this guitar for him and it he calls it the kaleidoscope but in the in the neck there's a what looks like a bullet hole yeah, that yeah, may have gone that. through glass. Yes. It's all shattered. And he calls that the eyepiece to the kaleidoscope. So the guitar looks like a shattered uh, uh, shards of color. Uh, it's very interesting. 
Oh, there it is. And there's an, oh, there's another, the next page has an uh, up close of that uh, from the, um, from the yeah. neck. And then this is the black and white. Uh, That's his famous black. Yeah. And he always has the famous black and white V. This time around, it's a Dean uh, guitar. And he doesn't cut off the strings at the top. You can see. No, so they just got these just wires out hanging. there. Did you meet Michael? I sure did. Yeah. Um, I, this was on the trip when I went to photograph Jimmy Page. Since I was going to shoot Jimmy Page's guitar. You're and, like, let's see who else we can pick up along the way. And I had the meeting with Clapton's office. Uh, we, we went to Brighton and uh, met up with Michael and photographed this guitar, uh, these three guitars of his, where he was recording at the time. Yeah, he had Michael played in the Scorpions. He played with the Michael Schenker group, and of course UFO. Yeah. Um, I, I met him as a as a as a fan and, a, and an autograph seeker, and he was uh, not very uh, cordial to me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. he was really nice to me. Uh, well, I would hope he would be. <laughs> yeah, he was nice. But uh, still love his playing, and let's hear his solo from Lights Out. I'm not, I'm not playing uh, uh, Bruce today, uh, Bruce Springsteen, but uh, the, his, the guitar in here, this is, the one, this, was on, this is on the front of Born to Run, I think. That's right, yeah. It has like the chunks out of the, uh, the top. Mm-hmm. This guitar, I've seen Bruce, every time I've seen Bruce play, this guitar gets played for most of the show. Yeah. And, and this is, this looks like something you would find at a garage sale <laughs> and, you would, you, and you wouldn't buy it. <laughs> I mean, the back is so beat up well and also when you look at the back you see the the plate on the back this the serial number plate it's a minus number and what on does the that serial mean? number that means it's a reject by fender that's hysterical it's a fender reject and he held on held you know i guess played it when he was at a fender factory and and he loved it this is his so, guitar and that became his main squeeze i mean I don't even know if I would want to have the job of keeping my eye on this guitar because if this thing ever disappears, heads are going to roll. It's one of the most iconic guitars <laughs> it in really American is. history, and especially for the man who's you know the voice of the middle middle, middle America. Middle, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean, this I was so lucky to get to photograph this guitar because he was on tour already. Mm-hmm. However, it had been in the Constitution Hall in Philadelphia for an exhibit. Wow. During that tour, and it was the last day. Uh, the, in fact, the day before was the last day of the exhibit. So I arrived the day they were doing teardown, and it was still on the wall in the protective case. And they they left it there until I got there, and then they they took it down, and I got to photograph. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and often people ask me, "What's the first guitar and what's the last guitar you shot for the book?" The first was Les Paul, and mm-hmm. the last one was this one here, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, and. Uh, and speaking of Les Paul, he did the uh, he does the foreword for this he book. He wrote the foreword for the book, yeah, because he was the first guitar. He, Les got the idea from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. When I first showed up at the Iridium Room and asked if I could photograph his guitar, I'd had these images that I'd taken of Hank's guitars, the first ones I photographed in black and white and hand-colored them. Mm-hmm. I showed those to them. And uh, he used to say when I'd come in, he goes, oh, there's that girl who does that guitar art. <laughs> and uh, so 12 years later into the project, 
I sat with him and I flipped through all these images. Here's Zach Wilde's Les Paul. Here's Slash's Les Paul. Here's all these Les Pauls. I go, you know, I need someone to write the foreword for the book and you're their hero. What do you think, Glass? And he's like, well, I see what you're saying. He goes, why don't you call Michael, my manager, and ask him if he can set that up. And I said, I'm going to call him tomorrow because I don't want you to forget. To forget, right. And he said, I won't forget. That's great. Yeah, and that. I, I mean, that's you have a guitar book and you have Les Paul do the forward. You don't get any better than that. I, I was so pleased and, and humbled yeah, by his support. Yeah, that's pretty great. And then he just turned to Steve Miller and that's his godson. Steve Miller, Steve is, Miller is, is Les, Les Paul's, Paul's godson. godson. Look how this is flowing so freely today for me. This is fantastic. Divine. This is a Gretsch guitar. It has, uh, this is the back of the, wait, what's, is this two guitars? What that is, is that is the stool that his guitar tech sits on. Ah, and this, and the so, stool has the Book of Dreams logo, the, the horse with the wings. Right, the unicorn. I thought that was the back or, of a guitar. Yeah, I'm glad you're telling yeah, me this. Yeah, and so that's that is affixed to the stool, and okay. then I just love that so much. And I thought I was photographing his Gretsch, and I thought I'm just going to put the headstock on the stool, and so we got the headstock with the with the horse. That the is that horse. is very cool, and the, this, these are some neat guitars here. Like yeah. this one has what is the, this has like a that's a a, a sitar guitar. It's a sit, it's half a sit, half sitar half guitar. That's right, all together. Yeah. Yeah, and I've they, never it's seen called a coral like sitar, and apparently he found that in like the, the the junk bin in the some guitar store. It was like on sale, you know, four hundred bucks or something like that, and uh, that's the one he plays. Uh, Wild Mountain Honey. Yep. If I found if I went to the junk bin, I'd find junk. He finds this beautiful guitar. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, let's hear a little bit of uh, of some Steve Miller. This is uh, this is the solo from Jungle Love. So funny, we've listened to all these guitar solos today. No, no guitar sounds like anyone else. Everyone has their own tone and their own sound. They pick up the same, not the same instrument, but basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Block of wood, six strings, plug it in. Everyone gets a different sound out yep. of it. Your That's personality. That's the brilliance of this whole thing. Exactly. Your personality, it just comes through uh, the instrument. Well, and same with looking at them, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they all don't, worn differently. They're, they're all worn. To, you're exactly right. This one, uh, the Steve Lukather guitar looks... In like it's in immaculate condition. Yeah, this guitar was in immaculate condition. His music man, that he calls Goldie, and uh, you know Steve had just been given the award for top session musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the uh, I, for, I forget which who had put that contest together or whatever whose list it was. It anyway, it's a real honor for yeah. Steve because he's played with everybody. Yep, and he's just a phenomenal. He's amazing guitarist. And just the nicest guy mm-hmm. ever. I went over to his house to photograph his guitars, and it was family day. He was he kept getting children dropped off from different wives, and kids, and he was babysitting that day his children. And his son, what happened to walk in the eldest, who was mm-hmm. eighteen at the time, and he's like, "What's going on?" Because all the lights were up, and he's like, "Oh, this is Lisa. She's photographing my guitar for a book." And his he had a friend with him, and the friend goes, "Oh, I see. It's called 108 Rockstar Guitars." I go, "Yeah." He goes. You want to make it 109? I go, why? Who you got? He goes, my dad. I'm like, who's your dad? 
Peter Frampton. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so I happen to have this little promo piece, a little booklet, and I whipped that out of my bag, and I'm like, here, give this to your dad. It has, he was one of the yeah. first guitars I photographed, and here's Peter Frampton. That's amazing. Uh, triple pickup guitar. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Steve Lukather said that he's going to come on this show uh, oh, cool. in, in, uh, in two, early 2015. We're going to try to get him in here. Hopefully, I'm hoping January. Nice. But uh, I think Steve Lukather, since he's, uh, his band is Toto, and I think Toto is so hard to classify, I think people think that it's just soft rock ballady band. And yet, if you listen to a Toto album, you hear funk, jazz, hard rock, and sure, you'll hear a ballad too, but it's Toto's really hard band to classify. Mm-hmm. So I think for that reason, maybe sometimes um, uh, the public, not 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 people in guitar knowledge, they know Steve Lukather is phenomenal. But I think some people have Toto might get a, a, a weird. That's thing. That's the problem with you know general public in a way yeah. because if you're not a real super into guitar aficionado yeah. type of guy you may not recognize him because you're 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 you know he's got so many different flavors mm-hmm. like you said yeah. that when you when when, I, when the general public can't pigeonhole yeah then they, they kind of escapes the brain yeah and, and even eddie van halen says steve lukather is the best so yeah, that's, that's high praise lot, yeah. and all that being said i'm now going to play the solo from uh from rosanna mm. but it's a phenomenal solo so let's hear it I got three more clips for us, and then we'll uh, okay. then we'll then we'll promote, 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 and we'll get you uh, we'll get you out of here. Uh, you're having fun though. Yeah. Um, this is uh, uh, this guy. Uh, this is the guitarist for me that has the most unique sound, maybe of almost anyone I ever listened to, and it's Brian May from Queen. Yeah. And uh, this is the guitar. Now, this is the guitar that he he built. This right? Yes. Is this the one him and his dad this built? This is the Red Special, and he is his he and his dad built this guitar and the wood was from his friend's fireplace mantelpiece that they were throwing out. And, uh, the, the, you know, those Formica kitchen tables yes. you used to have with the little stars on uh-huh. them. That's the pick guard. The whammy bars got his mom's knitting needle tip on it. Uh, and the whammy bar in itself itself is the spoke from his bicycle and was the reason that they built this because they couldn't afford to buy him a guitar or they just wanted to build a guitar for they, fun i think they just wanted to build a guitar for, for fun. fun i mean okay. imagine i mean i i got into this because partly i wanted a way to connect with my dad yeah. my dad was into photography and he was a musician so this was a great thing to be able to talk to my dad about and um what a great thing to do with your dad build a guitar and then uh i don't know this for for sure but if, if brian's dad's no longer with us he's with brian every night on stage that's true yeah making this and how leonard actually is distributing a book that just came out brian may's red special it's a book that is specifically about this guitar only well, so it's really cool book. yeah it's a beautiful book and it, there's like uh, i probably have six views of the guitar that yeah. are artfully taken and that book is shows the whole construction mm-hmm. of the guitar and then it's also very beautifully photographed as well well, this like the uh, this like the Springsteen guitar is one of the most recognizable guitars uh, in rock. It's I think. one of the most unique guitars yeah. in rock because it's hand built, and I love the headstock. It's mm-hmm. got he plays with a sixpence coin. He doesn't use a guitar pick. His pick is a sixpence coin. Okay, no, I did not know and that. And he had the British Mint make 
those coins, if you look at that up close, which you'd only know if you saw this, this if you see this book or you were able to get that, that close to the guitar. That's Brian May's face. The sixpence that's was him. made by the British man, his face, and it says Back to the Light, and that was his Back to the Light, Light tour. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and, what, and he affixed that to the headstock. Well, now, you really have to be someone of note to get someone to make a coin. No kidding. Yeah. With your face on it. That's cr- that is crazy. Wow. Now, see, I looked through this book uh, before, uh, obviously, Lisa, before you got here, I did my research. But um, I did not notice that. Um, so much. That's why you can flip through the book a zillion times. And see times. something new every and time. And that's why the book has not got so much text. There's text in it. Yeah. There's enough, just a little... I didn't want to overwhelm people with text. It's about the imagery yeah. and wanting to f- just fall into the images right. and look at the images and let the images speak for themselves. Yeah, like if you want to know the minutiae of this entire guitar, then you'll buy that Brian May book. But yeah. this uh, but this gives you so many views of it. And like you said, just enough text to, to, to get you excited about it. And uh, yeah, this is so cool. Let's, uh, here's a solo. This is from uh, the album Jazz. This is the solo from If You Can't Beat Them. Queen. Yeah, Queen is, uh, they're truly original. Yeah. Um, there's lots of ladies in the book, but I chose uh, Cheryl Crow's in the book and Anna and Nancy Wilson are in the book. Um, but I wanted to pick someone that is, uh, I think, truly known as much for her guitar playing as, as her singing. Uh, I actually, when I think of Bonnie Raitt, I, I think of the guitar first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bonnie Raitt. They kind of uh, go tandem in, hand in hand. Her voice and that guitar yeah. are really one with mm-hmm. each other. And that that opening shot there, I focused on the slide because she is a phenomenal a killer slide, slide guitar player. player. And the headstock's out of focus and most of the guitar body's out of focus. It's about that slide. About that neck. And uh, she used to use the bottle tops and now they're made for her. Uh, it's, she's just all around, just an amazing woman, yeah. a charitable woman, an incredible voice that is still as good as today as she was uh, when she got started. And, and that guitar back in the day was popular to take the finish mm-hmm. off. And so it's uh, it, the naked wood. And interestingly enough, she wasn't playing with Hutch Hutchinson at yeah. the, that time that she did that. However, it was a kind of a popular thing to do. So the next artist after her is Hutch's bass, and he did the exact same thing to his bass guitar, his, his Fender uh, bass. So it's also oh, yeah, got the finish is. taken off, so they, they have a matching set of, of uh, bass and guitar. And what, what's the reason that they take the finish off? I think... The sound, the sound. You know, they when they take the finish off, it does affect the sound of the guitar. Mm-hmm. Probably is it a warmer tone, and that was the look back then. And yeah, Bonnie Raitt uh, to me, uh, she's she's someone that can hang with the boys. Yeah, I mean, and the boys better be ready to hang with her because they want she, to. Yeah, exactly. She walks in the room and uh, and people are gravitating to, to what she's playing. So let's mm-hmm. listen. 
uh, to the solo from uh, Love Sneaking Up On You. So where else are you on social media? Do you have a Facebook page? Facebook page is 108 Rockstar Guitars. Okay. Twitter? Twitter is 108 RS Guitars. Okay. Instagram is also 108 RS Guitars, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, it's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just, just Google part. 108 and Guitars and we all that stuff. Page. I'm sure all yeah, that stuff will come up. Yeah, it all comes up. Um, do you ever do uh, any showings of your work? Do you ever... Mr. Music Head Gallery, last year in October, we had a big exhibit nice. there. And uh, that's the first one so far. Um, I've been promoting the book a lot. So mm-hmm. the imagery and the fine art follows yeah. that. And it's a lot of work to put all that stuff together. So in the next couple of years, we'll, ha- we'll have more exhibits going on. Cool. And uh, a sequel to this book. Volume two is already underway. Okay. And then, of course, this took 17 years to put together. So through that course of time, I was photographing other genres as well, country, mm-hmm. blues, and jazz. And those will be incorporated in the next book? Uh, I'm not it... sure okay. yet. I might decide to incorporate and do all genres in the next mm-hmm. book because I have a lot of other ideas of what to do for books, too. Yeah. Um, so it's just it'll all evolve in the next year or so, how the next one's going to... Any, uh, I know you're still promoting this book and this book's out there. Any, do you have like, uh, do you have an idea when you think you want that to come out? I'm going to guess probably, I'm going to say three years. Three years. Cool. Three years. Cause once you do all the shooting, like I have, I have about 50 or more Mm -hmm. shoots of just rock artists now. And it's a lot of work to do the shoot and then the editing and then the writing. So what I did with this book is it took me a year just to edit and write. Oh yes, definitely. So once I have all of the images in, or most of them, then that process will start. And I love that process because I, I kind of just go into my cave. That's what I did for a year. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that many people. I didn't go out. I just hunkered down and, and I worked it. really long hours and loved it. Well, it shows. It definitely shows you put the time in with this. Uh, when you, uh, let me add, when you, when you photograph one of these guitars, if, if you have an unlimited amount of time, how many photos are you actually taking uh, per session per shoot yes Uh, per guitar I would say 100 images per guitar and then you have to go then how do you go through that and decide which is the one you want you get good at editing I'm I'm a pretty good editor you know I'm I'm I get I'm attached to my images however I also know I have a really good eye that I can I'll get it down to 50 images yeah and then I look at the ones that are similar looking mm-hmm. and then boom, I just like, I, it'll happen magically. Oh, that's the one. Well, that's why and this is you your just profession. Get rid of the guess. other ones and then you have them all. And then I use aperture to edit. So aperture allows mm-hmm. you to keep everything and then you just make it five, st- your best images, five stars. And then when you want to see them all, you just click a button and you can see all of them again, or you can just see your top five. So crazy. I mean, I can't even imagine seeing a hundred pictures of a guitar and then, 
picking the best three or four. That seems yeah, and then crazy. You, then you have, say, I, I may photograph five guitars of one artist, mm-hmm. so then I'm, I'm editing 500 or more images. Yeah, then you That's why out. it's hard, because I'm, I'm busy doing so many things, so the shooting part is easy. Mm-hmm. Then when you come home, you've got to download, edit, and write, and that's where I... I, I, I need to really take time away to focus mm-hmm. on that where I'm not interrupted by. Do you ever have a friend say, hey, Lisa, could you, do you want to take our wedding photos for us? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you know something? Even when I go on vacation, my only camera is my iPhone. Good for you. I can't deal. I got too no, many other it's things. It's work. To you don't edit. want to bring work with you on vacation? No. no. Uh, I have, um, we'll talk about one more guitar in this book, uh, and then we'll, um, I'm going to play us out with some Keith Richards because we didn't play him earlier when we talked about him and uh you can follow the show at rock solid show on twitter um like us on facebook write a nice review for the show on itunes you can follow me at pat underscore francis you can follow kyle at kyle dotson funny um the last book i page i have um uh posted on is uh is tom shoals from boston because uh very uh innovative very unique um, guitar sound from Tom. Uh, Boston doesn't have the musical catalog that you would hope they would, mm-hmm. but those first two albums are uh, are are classics. Unbelievable classics. Unbelievable yeah. classics. Uh, did you meet Tom? I didn't meet Tom. Um, I've spoken to his wife on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met Brad. You did meet Bradley. Funny. Delp. I met Brad when I photographed Tom's guitar. Tom just was tied up you know i i'll go at soundcheck or right after yeah. soundcheck and after soundcheck they split you know they're, they're trying to eat they're you know they've got stuff to do mm-hmm. so i i didn't meet tom and i'm so glad that i got to meet brad yeah because this um, these photos were taken in 2003 yes and uh you you know you really saved one of the best guitars for last because there's such a great story about this this les paul that originally was called blondie because he too took the patina off he, he uh, had it all buffed off, so it's also just a natural wood color, and they called it Blondie. And then he won a lawsuit that actually helped a lot of other bands, and somebody sent him a Mighty Mouse sticker for accomplishing that that helped so many people. So he put the Mighty Mouse put sticker right on, on the front of the guitar, and then it became Mighty Mouse. And he's such a unique, innovative, engineering yeah. brain that I just love that it personifies him. You know, he's the Mighty Mouse on guitar. And I, I, I put his uh, second to last, Les Paul's the last one in the book, just because... And there's just this one There's just this one photo of this Tom Schultz yeah, guitar. Yeah, just that one. Um, back in the day, I mean, I do have some other views. Mm-hmm. I, I only put that one in. It was my favorite. And what is... This is like... That's this, a Boston... Uh, it's just a sticker? Yeah, on the tailpiece, he stuck it on there. And yeah, it's, it's a sticker it's, from the Walk On album. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool. What is this little thing right here? It looks like a, a mini symbol or something in the middle. I don't even yeah, know what that is either. But um, let's hear uh, let's hear a little uh, peace of mind.
Okay, so everybody, this is 108 rock star guitars. Brian Setzer says this is the classiest guitar book that he's ever seen. Brian Setzer can play guitar, so he should know. Mm-hmm. Um, to say that. It says uh, a portion of the proceeds benefit the Les Paul Foundation. Yes. Uh, since Les was the first guitar that I ever photographed, and he supported me all of the years, I really wanted to give back to him. And he wrote the foreword for the book. And uh, not, soon, not much before he passed away, he had established the Les Paul Foundation that raises money for... Um, um, music education mm-hmm. for children and the hearing impaired. And nice. So I really wanted to give back to his charity, and it just made sense. He played a major role in the invention of the electric guitar, and he was a supporter of mine. And I love to say he was my friend for those years. And um, he just was a real sweetheart. He could be a grumpy old man, too. <laughs> I, think, um, I think that's what uh, all men aspire to be, eventually, a grumpy old man. He would, he would really uh, have some digs on stage, you know, to the guys. Mm-hmm. And the, the girls would always get his sweet words. There and uh, I was very, very fortunate to be able to spend as much time as I did with Les. And I'm very grateful to him. So, yeah, we support the charity. Uh, that's, that's, I mean... This, look, no one, no one. I look, people. The endorsement I have for this book is uh, is all because I love this book. Uh, I found. I, I'm so glad that uh, this came in the mail to me. I'm so glad I found this book. Uh, just as a music fan, again, I don't play any instruments. I just love music. I love every single page of this book. is 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 a work of art. It's just incredible. I'm, I'm looking. I opened it up. There's Zach Wilde's guitar. It's got uh, bottle cap, beer bottle caps. Yeah, that's all, the rebel all over it. It's just. Uh, you're never going to see these guitars like you're going to see them in this book unless unless you actually are holding it in your hand. Uh, Guitar World says readers get up close and personal with an impressive assemblage of 108 guitars. And that's exactly what this book is. Lisa, uh, thank you so much for thank doing you. this. Uh, loved having you on the show. Let me give the trivia question. Here's the trivia question. It's not a hard question, but remember, it's a numbers game. I'm going to take everyone who answers this question correctly. Put them in a hat and draw and are out they, two Are they going to tweet this question, the answer to you? or how? how uh, they can happen? send me the answer via my email, which is pat at popculturebeast.com. The question is, B.B. King's guitar is famously re- referred to by what woman's name? That's the easiest question ever. It's the easiest question ever, Lisa, but it's a numbers game. Let's get a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. Let's get 100 people in the hat. Let's All get 1,000 right. people That's in the hat. Because idea. then if they don't win it, then they're going to go buy it, hopefully. That's right. Yeah. Not, go yeah. buy the book, everybody. You'll yeah. love it. Or they'll win it and still buy another one. You that, can get That's it. what I think is going to happen. Whoever wins this is going to go, i got to get a copy of this for my buddy. Yeah. And by the way, the book is available at every Barnes & Noble, every guitar center, mm-hmm. And on Amazon, so it's easy to find. Oh, yeah, and the, and the two copies you win here today are signed by Lisa. Yeah. Uh, that's our show. Kyle, if you could play us out with, uh, what do I have queued up? Do I have Jumpin' Jack Flash queued up? Yeah. Let's hear Jumpin' Jack Flash. This is uh, Keith Richards. He's in the book. Right on. Thanks, Pat. Thank you, Lisa. Watch it.
Just come.